Good evening, this is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Of course, the way this program is set up, you have a right to call in and disagree with what we say. We want to keep it on a friendly basis, of course, but Pat Donahue, he's not the final say. The Bible's the final say, God's Word. I could be wrong. I'm trying my best to preach the truth. And Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. So God's word defines for us what the truth is. It's the final authority. And God's word then, the Bible, in particular for us, in this dispensation, the New Testament is our final authority for today. God's really our authority. Because the Bible is where he tells us how to please him. Then by extension, his word, the Bible, becomes our authority. It takes precedent over anything we think. Even if we disagree with what something that God says, we have to accept what God says and practice that. Even if we don't understand something that God says, we have to accept what God says and obey it, even if we don't completely understand the whys or the wares of it. But as the announcer said, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 is the number to call, and you would get right on the air if you call in on the air. I thought while we're waiting on our first call, we'd talk about the authority and sufficiency of the Scriptures. Now, what do I mean by the authority of the Scriptures? I mean, we should only practice what the Bible authorizes us to do. For example, if my daughter, when she got to be 16, and she, I said, uh, uh, Leah, go drive down to the grocery store and get us a gallon of milk, and I gave her $5 and said, bring back the change. Well, if she goes and buys a gallon of milk and some makeup, some perfume, and brings that back, she was authorized to buy the milk, but she wasn't authorized to buy the makeup or the perfume. You see the idea? We need to only do what God authorizes us because he is our boss. And that means only what the Bible authorizes. Now, we, I read Matthew 8, verse 9 right now is just an illustration. Here we have the centurion saying, Matthew 8, verse 9, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. So here's a military man. Let's just say, for example, you have a sergeant, and he has some privates underneath him. They're under his authority. If he says to go, they have to go. If he says to go do this, they have to do that. Well, likewise, God is our authority. He's our ultimate authority. He's our ultimate boss. So we must obey his word, just like a private has to obey the sergeant or the captain or the general, for example. Gary from Mississippi, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. How are you doing, Brother Patrick? I don't know if you observe or celebrate uh, holidays or whatever, but I will preface by saying Happy New Year to you. Well, happy Silent. new year to Silent. you too. <laughs> well, thank you. Listen, by by uh, means of the process of elimination, you are uh, as you know, you and I we've talked before, and I am a uh, uh, member of a church, and we have a latest pastor. And uh, several weeks ago, you and I spoke. You were spoken with another gentleman. You was talking about being partakers uh, of a of a of, of sin if you're a part of that church. And, uh, you know, my mind, I'm always thinking, and uh, let me ask you a question. Do you shop at, uh, like, say, i just say Walmart. I hate to give them a free plug there. Do you shop Walmart or any other grocery? 
Yeah, no, not very often. My wife does most of the shopping, but yes, I do. Okay. I see no and, problem. And the, okay. Well, these well these businesses they're open to make a profit, and now they sell products that you and I, uh, we according to scripture, we think that these products are sinful to use, by virtue of the fact that we patronize these businesses. Would you assert that uh, based on your interpretation of the scriptures that uh, we are partakers of uh, the sin of those? companies no but if we, buy, alcohol? if we buy the tobacco or alcohol then we would be a partaker but if we abstain from purchasing those things that aren't that are uh, uh go against god's word then we wouldn't be a partaker for example if so i'm a member of a church that doesn't allow women to preach i'm not a partaker in anybody's evil deeds but if i worship with the well it'd be impossible gary for me to be a woman preacher wouldn't it yeah, absolutely. I can't I, commit I would, that, and so. I'm not a woman. But if I worship with the congregation that allows women to preach, and I go along with it, then I become a partaker in, in their evil deeds. Now, that's not my opinion, Gary. That's God's opinion. He says in Second okay. John verse nine, "Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house." Neither bid him God's feed, for he that biddeth him God's feed is partaker of his evil deeds. Phyllis from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, thank you. I'm uh, calling in regards to Matthew 25, uh, verses 42, 43, and especially verse 45, where it says uh, Jesus is talking and um, he's saying, um, you did not do it to one of the least of these. You didn't do it to me regarding, you know, I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was a stranger, and I was in prison, and you did not minister to me. My question is in regards to those in prison. Um, is this talking about um, persecuted Christians, people that are Christians, or to all the prisoners? Because my experience is with the prisoners, uh, probably at least 80% of them uh, as soon as they get out, they just jump right back in to the behaviors that got them there in the first place. So it seems like it is a waste of one's time and resources to invest in them, unless they're Christian already. So I'm wondering, what does Jesus say? What does he mean by that, you know? So, one of the least so I have, I've had occasion for a number of years, we'll say 25 years, to go get to do Bible studies to preach in the prison. And if you're right, then that means 80% of the people I'm preaching to or you think maybe end up in prison again if they ever got out. But that's our responsibility to preach the gospel to these people. It's not up to us to convert them. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. So it's our job to preach to these people in prison. We're not responsible if they don't accept the gospel and if they don't obey the gospel. You see what I mean, Phyllis? Right. So that's just talking about, okay, so one of the least of these, that means to everyone, right? Yes. Yeah. In other words, if we're not willing to help those people that are less fortunate than we are, then we're in effect not helping Jesus. Okay. That's the point of this. Get, you're not, okay. you're, you help Jesus when you help somebody who's less fortunate than you are. Somebody who's sick or in prison or needs clothing. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not acting like a Christian. 
Okay, I do understand that. What I don't understand is uh, many of these people have asked me for my own personal money to send them to help them with to buy their shoes, to buy um, coffee and tea and other things that um, extra things, I guess. So I feel bad if I don't accommodate it because I believe it says in the Bible, give to those that ask of you, you know. And Are you uh, talking about these people in prison? Yes, I am. No, that can't be true. I've been going to the prison for years, and they do not allow anybody to send them money. They don't. You can a prisoner cannot receive things like that from the outside, or even if you go in there and visit them, you can't give them anything. That's against the rules. Well, it it can be done. They have accounts yeah. that are set up, and so, so my question is: Should money be sent in there for things that the the prison already pays for? That these are just other things they're asking for for money for phone calls and other things they want. So in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So we don't want to help people who are not willing to work. And just to help somebody indiscriminately, if you're not sure they're really needy or are or, or willing to work. That's why... Uh, my wife and I, in the church where I'm with, we use our money to help people in need, like in Africa or something like that, Christians who are willing to work. And we don't want to give our money to people who are not willing to work because of Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Now, we're willing to share with them the gospel, but we're not willing to share with them material things because until they prove to us, they're willing to work. And we got plenty of people, Christians, we know who are willing to work, and there's not enough money to to help them. So why would I help somebody who I'm not sure is willing to work? Boris from Washington, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. All right. I wanted to ask you a curious question. So uh, in Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 11, it it says that a woman ought to have their head covered. What is your view on this? My view is that a woman ought to have her head covered. Notice it says, in verse 5, every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, for that is even all one if she were shaven. And then uh, uh, verse uh, 13, judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? So when a woman prays, uh, she should cover her head, something that will cover her head. Uh, it could be a hat or a veil. But it's got to cover the head is what these passages say. And then in addition to that, Boris, you'll notice verse 15 says, but if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. So the parallel is being made, I believe. Two different coverings. There are two different Greek words here. This covering in verse 15, the long hair, is to be worn by a woman all the time. She should have long hair, not short hair, not medium hair, but long hair. Then, according to verse 5 and verse 13, when she prays, she's to have this covering on that would cover her head. But it's something that's temporary, something you can tell. You can put it on or take it off uh, while while she's praying. But the hair covering is to be worn all the time, of course, verse 15. So I think, Boris, there's two coverings there. And the women today should practice both of those coverings. One all the time, long hair, and one when she's praying would be like a veil or a hat or something that would cover her head. Go ahead, Boris. Okay, in, in, interesting. No, it's just a, a lot of churches, they don't promote, I guess, to, that women should cover their hair, and it says clearly in Scripture that they should. So 
Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Boris, it does sound pretty clear. The church you worship with, do the ladies there cover their heads? Yes. Yes, sir. What, what's the, well, if you don't a, mind me asking, what kind of church is that? Uh, it's a Pentecostal. And they cover their head with a veil or a hat? Uh, with like a covering, a veil, I, I would say. Okay, yes. okay. Because most of the Pentecostal churches, is this a, a, a Pentecostal Trinitarian or a oneness Pentecostal, Boris? Uh, what kind of a Pentecostal? Oneness means that they they believe that there's only one person in the Godhead, that Jesus is the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Trinitarian means yes, they believe three persons in the Godhead. Which kind of no, Pentecostal church the, is this? In the one God, that Jesus one is per- God, yes, and the Holy Ghost is God, yes, sir. Yeah, but are they, um, what I'm asking about is, do you believe God the Father and Jesus are the same or two different persons in the one God? They're all the same. Okay, so a oneness Pentecostal church. But all the oneness Pentecostal churches I've known about, Bars, the ladies don't wear a veil, that they believe the long hair is the only covering necessary. But you're saying the one that you worship with, they do they have long, the ladies have long hair also? Yes, sir. And then they have a veil when they pray or when they worship God? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, that's what I think needs to be done in 1 Corinthians 11. When a woman is praying or prophesying, verse 5, prophesying would be when she's teaching today, uh, she needs to be covered with that temporary covering, but she's to have that long hair, the permanent covering, all the time. Sounds like I'm in agreement with you, Boris. Yeah. Well, I, I agree in the Scripture, so. Not too many churches practice that anymore, do they? Do they, Boris? Not too many churches practice that, right? Yeah, it's very rare, so, yeah. yeah. If you go back a long I, I, time it, ago, if you go back a long time ago, a lot more churches practice it, but as with a lot of things, uh, following the truth has gone by the wayside with time. Culture has changed a lot of things. But the Bible hasn't well, changed, has it, Boris? I, I've heard a lot of arguments. So I've heard that people say that... uh if you're in faith going to church and you're not covering your hair, but you think that everything is fine, like, I don't know, I've listened to a lot of YouTube and a lot of, like, uh, positions on both sides of the aisle, that if you're in faith not covering your hair, then you're fine. But I, I, I don't know what to, you know, it's not going based on Scripture. If it's plainly there in Scripture and it says it, you have yeah. to follow through with it. So, yeah. yeah. First, first John 3, 4 says, sin is the transgression of the law. God's law. And Romans 6 23 says the wages of sin is death. So anytime we don't follow God's prescribed will, revealed will, we're going to be in trouble. Sin leads to spiritual death, and that means it needs to be repented of. Jesus said, Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13 3. Bars, thank you for your call. Yep, appreciate it. If you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call is 877-655-6755. We've had three good calls so far. I hope you'll call in. If you have a good Bible question or comment, you can go right on the air. The lines are wide open now, 877-655-6755. We're talking about the authority and sufficiency of God's Word. By authority, we mean we're only supposed to do what God's Word authorizes. 
By sufficiency, we mean the Bible is going to tell us everything we need to know religiously. My favorite passage to turn to when I'm talking about how that we're only to do what God's word authorizes is perhaps Colossians 3.17. It says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, of course, people that know me know my favorite TV program is the Andy Griffith Show. You have Barney Fife there, deputy sheriff, and he, he stops somebody for speeding. And he says, stop in the name of the law. What does he mean by stop in the name of the law? Barney would mean that it's not just me, Barney Fife, telling you to stop. I represent the law of Mayberry. I'm telling you to stop because the law of Mayberry would tell you to stop. So that's what this is going on here when it says whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's saying don't do anything unless the word of God authorizes, unless Jesus tells you to do it in religion. Don't do anything unless Jesus tells you to do it. And I don't mean it has to be specifically. Like you want to ride an airplane to go to Africa to preach the gospel. All you need is a command that says go to all the world and preach the gospel. And that authorizes getting there, whether it's by car or airplane. So it doesn't have to be mentioned specifically. But let me illustrate what I'm talking about. The Catholic priest will sprinkle a baby and say, I baptize in the name of Jesus. But is he really baptizing in the name of Jesus? He's saying that, but he's not really doing it because Jesus has never told us to sprinkle any babies. Baptism, the Bible, is always an immersion of a believer. So when a Catholic priest says, I baptize in the name of Jesus when he sprinkles a baby. He may be saying he's baptizing in the name of Jesus. He's not because Jesus has never told him to sprinkle babies. So he can't do that in the name of Jesus. Whatever we do, we have to do it in the name of Jesus. We're only to do what Jesus has told us to do, what he's authorized. Sean from Dallas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes. So what does it mean when somebody uses the term apostolic? What, what does this term actually mean? Uh, somebody had sent uh a picture of a dog jumping up and down, we're really happy and ecstatic. And the, and the caption on that little video was if dogs were apostolic. And, and I never really <laughs> actually stopped and tried to really figure out the meaning of apostolic. It's, I mean, I met a guy in a McDonald's once, and he sought for worth, and he called himself Apostle so-and-so. And he had a Bible and all that stuff. But I'm like, what does that mean? I mean, so I, I just it, that word seems to be thrown around, and I'm not really sure exactly what the actual universal legitimate definition is of that word. So let me give you, there's two meanings. One, a Bible meaning, and one, a modern-day meaning. The Bible meaning is apostolic would mean you go by what the apostles taught. And we should go by what the apostles taught. The apostles and other New Testament prophets. The modern-day meaning, and they're talking about with this dog, they're talking about the modern-day meaning. Apostolic means what the caller while ago, who, who last called in, he's a oneness Pentecostal. They call themselves apostolic, but they teach a lot of things that the apostles don't teach. Uh, uh, for example, some of the apostolics allow women to preach. We had a caller uh, call in about women preachers a while ago, and some of the, uh, quote, apostolic church allows women to preach. But 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35 says, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. Verse 35 says it's a shame for women to speak in the church. So they're claiming to be apostolic, go by the apostles' doctrine. But in a lot of things, they don't go by the apostles' doctrine. But that's what it's supposed to mean. We go by the apostles' doctrine, which is a good thing. Sean, does that okay, make sense? Can I ask a, I'm sorry, yeah. can I ask a, a follow-up question? Yes, you can. So where would I find a good, solid list of everybody in the Bible 
who was literally confirmed as a as an apostle. So I could kind of look at what you know what they how they lived it out and kind of say, okay, this is a model that I need to follow. Was there like a, a list, maybe somewhere in Acts or something, saying exactly, hey, these folks are appointed or have earned? Uh, well, maybe earned is the wrong word, but but basically these people are designated specifically as apostles, and here's their names. So here's here's Matthew chapter ten verse two. It says, now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. It goes on through through verse 4 and names the 12 apostles. Okay. okay? Yeah, so that's Matthew 10, Matthew 10, 2 through Jesus. 4. Okay. Okay. Thank you for your call, right, Sean. You. Daniel from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes. Yeah, so then John 14 Verse 9, and I'm curious, just uh, on an explanation on your side, um, I am a oneness Pentecostal. Um, let me see real quick. Philip said, well, verse, uh, starting at verse 8 through 9, uh, Philip said, Lord, show us if, if Jesus is a separate person in the Godhead, uh, the Son sitting next to the Father. Uh, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Uh, even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone that has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say then, show us the Father? Uh, do you have an explanation for that? Yeah, that that wording proves there's at least two different persons in the Godhead. For example, my I, I looked a lot like my dad. And somebody says, if you've seen Pat, you've seen his dad. That phraseology proves two different persons. That's what we mean when we say, if you've seen one, you've seen somebody else. That proves two different people that so that that actually proves that the oneness position is wrong if you've seen me you've seen the father that kind of terminology proves the father and the son are two different people that's what that phraseology means if you've seen me you've seen my dad that means you're talking about two different people for example in john 1 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and we know from verse 14 the word here is Jesus Christ. So it says the word was, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus right. was with God, God the Father, and the word was God, meaning divine. So there's another verse that absolutely, conclusively proves that Jesus and the Father are, are separate. The word, that's Jesus, was with God. That means he's not God the Father, he's with God. If I say I'm with my son, that means two different people. And the word was God. He was also divine. Carl from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, sir. I'd like to make a comment on the guy who was asking, did you shop at Walmart? I yeah. think what he's uh, not realizing that uh, as Christians, we can. Uh, it's a big difference between being a Christian and, and living and going to a store, buying your needs, than uh, supporting the church. Because once you, if you go support the church, the only thing you can do is what the Bible authorizes the church to do. But as a Christian, you can shop at Sam's, Walmart, Full World, wherever you want to shop at. That doesn't have anything to do with your Christianity as long as you're not going in there, like you buying alcohol, beer, cigarettes. So so it's totally different. The Bible says what comes out of a man is what defies a man, not what goes in him. And as a Christian, you always will be exposed to sin as long as you don't become part of that sin. But we only, the only way we're going to make it, we're going to have to just do what the Bible tells us to do. And there's a big difference between what the Bible say do in, in the church and what a Christian can do outside of church. Because you can't go to the church to buy groceries. 
Carl, did you have you and your family and Betty and your family have a good service with Marty today? Uh, yes, sir, we did. Thank you. For Appreciate asking. your call. Appreciate your call, right, Carl. You. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. If uh, if I go into Walmart and I want to go there and buy some Coke, that's different than buying the alcohol. Then if I buy the alcohol, I'm wrong. But if I buy the Coke, I'm not held responsible for the fact that they also sell alcohol to other people. We appreciate right. you listening tonight. Carl, i got to go off the yes, air. Sir. Hope to talk to you soon. All okay? right, thank so we appreciate all the calls tonight and everybody listening. That was five or six great calls. Appreciate that. Be sure and listen next week at this same time. Uh, and if again, I will offer, if you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime, anytime at your convenience, morning, afternoon, or evening, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study. Call or text me, 256 682 9753 256 682 9753 be sure and listen next week at this same time